Wednesday. It's Wednesday again. It's been a quiet week though. It's been a quiet and long week. Thank God it's a short week this week. By golly am I looking to looking forward to doing absolutely sweet flip all over the long Easter weekend other than maybe eat some chocolate. Um how is everyone? I hope you're hope you're all well. Hope you're all doing well. Um yeah, quiet week. Quiet week for me. Um I watched the movie The Awakenings. Bear with me now, this is tenuous, but um the movie Awakenings, um, which you either are or are not aware of. Um, it's one of those movies that you, th- you think everyone should have seen, but it's probably passed you by. Because um, it's got the two starring roles are um, Robin Williams and another Robert, going by the name of De Niro. Um, and it's based on a true story about uh, people suffering from um, unresponsive dementia and... Uh, Robin Williams plays the the doctor um who who trials a an experimental drug which seems to seems to have a profound effect on these people and brings them back to life essentially hence the awakenings bit I won't give you the full details and spoiler for you I think you should watch it um but just the very beginning of the movie um Robin Williams um he's he arrives at the hospital for a job interview because he's he's beginning um his his stint at this hospital um for these uh how do they put them in in the uh, in the movie? Um, anyway, some something something politically incorrect because um, it's set in the nineteen sixties and it was made in the nineteen nineties. It's definitely not what we call these people now. Put it that way. Um, but anyway, he arrives for his interview in what I believe now. My knowledge of sixties Americana is not great, but I believe it's a Dodge Dart. Um, and he he plays this kind of scatterbrain. He himself again, this is he's a real person, Doctor Sayer, I think his name was. Um, um, he's somewhat neurodivergent himself. Um, he's a bit of a scatterbrain, a bit awkward um, in, in social um, situations, not unlike myself. But um, he he pulls up for his interview, all nervous. He gets out of his car, his Dodge Dart, and uh, he puts the key in to lock the door. Um, and it's a, it's a two it's a two it's a two shutter so like it's it's shot from one side so looking at the hospital and then it turns to the other the other way so he's it's looking away from the hospital um, and he turns puts the key in to turn to lock it and then he walks towards the hospital and the keys are just left in the door of the car no more explanation to it I don't know if they put it in there you know to show he, he is a scatterbrain but like it's not like he comes back out and realizes he left his keys in the door of the car, or like the car's been stolen or anything. It's just, it's, there's no, it doesn't, there's no, it's not highlighted in any way. It's just, I just noticed it because, oh, like the first thing that popped into my mind was, oh, there's a keys. It was car related. That's why it popped into my mind. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, this shows you how slow of a motoring week um, I had. Um, what, the, the other thing that's just on fresh in my mind because I'm back from a run a little humble brag there um, but when I go out running I don't I don't bring anything with me um, I like to go just me and my thoughts um, so I didn't have my phone with me but I saw this lovely and I don't know what it was it was too far away and it was just turning into the, the local super value some sort of 1980s Japanese estate car in what looked to be incredibly mint condition and um, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that Again, this look just shows how terribly quiet my motoring week was. Um, but another car I saw a few days ago, and it, I almost didn't notice it, notice it at all. It's only when I got closer to it. 
and the nose, the, the badge on the back. Um, it was a one of those um, Citroen DS3 racing thing jobbies, probably most notably um, made famous by um, in that episode of Top Gear, where the three lads go to Italy um, on the south of France uh, in the three hot hatches, Maze in a Clio 200. Hammond has a, a, a an Arbath, Arbath, uh, 500 with that fucking f- fabric roof jobby. And then um, Clarkson's in the, the DS3 racing. But he's in the, the black and orange full training shoe, outlandish DS3 racing. This one, though, because apparently it came in, like, that's the one that I think, you know, the way it jumps to mind when any of us think of DS3 racing is that black and orange one. They did do it in a in a white as well without the stickers on it, and this is the one that I saw. And you just you wouldn't notice it because like it kind of, like all DS threes are quite well specced and you know quite flashy as it is. So other than and like the the ore on the badge for the DS three racing is tiny. It's just up in like it's like a I, don't, I wasn't good at maths, but you know when you put the square root you know or three squared. You know, the little two you put in the corner. It was like that. The tiny little ore, red ore up in the corner of the DS3. And I was like, great little car that would be. Because like, they were 200 plus brake, uh, 1.6 turbocharged, funky little hot hatch. Because I think the DS3 looks looks good anyway. Um, so I had a look on the Irish classifieds. Unsurprisingly, didn't find any. And then I went to the UK classifieds. And there was none for sale there either. So that's a fucking rare, rare car. Um, so if I ever see one coming for sale or if any of you ever see one coming for sale, I would recommend buying it because there ain't going to be that many of them, especially in uh, in right-hand drive. Um, what are no- the things that I notice in my very, very dull week? Um, oh, the other morning, uh, early morning in work in the van um, on a relatively packed N7 in Dublin. It's uh, just a... a when N7 is it considered a motorway it being an N national road as soon as what it's called but anyway it's a three lane road that's 100 kilometers an hour um, there was a guy baiting along um, in the, like t- tailgate the hell out of me I was doing 100 plus kilometers an hour in the outside lane um, and I was in the outside lane because when you get to the end it kind of splits off go you can go northbound, southbound on one of our motorways, and then you can go straight through in the outside lane to go towards our, our city centre. That's why I was in the outside lane, because I was going towards the city centre. He was barreling up behind me, um, again, the busy thing. I was like, gee, before I even knew, he was like right up on my rear bumper. Then he swings out. He's, he's undertaking everyone, breaking, you know, tailgating people in and out, zoom, flying around like a typical dickhead Audi Q, yeah, Q5, Q3, I think it was a Q5. They all look the fucking same. Um, diesel. And whatever about him, you know, he's a dickhead driver, being a dickhead. He'd be a dickhead in whatever he was driving. Um, but it just highlighted to me um, that in the since 2008, mid-2008 in Ireland, um, diesel cars have become very prevalent. Um, well, up until now, basically. Now they're seen as the devil. Um, and the reason for this is because we, the the Irish government changed the way you pay ta- road tax on a car in uh, 2008. It used to be based on engine capacity, and then they changed it to the amount of grams per um, grams of CO2 per kilometer 
that are produced which you know benefited diesel cars because they produce less grams of co2 per kilometer than a pipeline car well they did anyway at, at one point um so everyone started buying diesels and people who probably never been anywhere near a diesel car before all of a sudden everyone had diesels and then it's just caused a a kind of a a whole shift in the way people drive because all of a sudden people have this low down and mid-range torque that they never had before in, in petrol engine cars and i just reckon it's, it's it's in the last 15 years it's just caused a much more aggressive style of driving across the board um it's like everything in life you know the, the internet the internet's as fast as it's ever been and yes you know if it takes you know two seconds for a page to load in the internet we, we get we get frustrated because we become used to things being quicker and any delay in that you know just just angers us so the fact that people can go they have this you know this this instant acceleration almost um they expect everyone else to almost get out of the way who who, who don't have as much torque as them i hope i'm trying to explain this right what one basically i say is that like people have become a lot more aggressive in their driving um since the boom of the diesel car and in turn the the torque that came with that and what i'm trying to get at here is that in this ev uh, revolution that we're clearly on the cusp of um and again i'm not dissing evs i do think they have their 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 place but the, the torque thing so like people have become very aggressive in their in their diesel cars with their with the torque but now they're going to have much more torque and from an instant. Um, and I've seen it already. Even people just knocking around in, in the BMW i3s and the Mosla, the, Mosla, the, the Tesla Model 3. They, they, they drive really, really aggressively because, you know, they you become used to the effect of the torque very quickly. And, yeah, like everything we become the whole world is just becoming too fast let's i'll put my rose tinted glasses on um and just hark back to the days when things were just a little bit slower because to be honest it probably was better um sorry that's a that's my that opening rant might be some of the worst ranting i've done um i do apologize let's talk about some stuff that's actually happened in the the motoring world um journalists have finally got their hands on the the newest uh whatever the fucking um model name is for the current two series the g whatever g banger um bmw m2 um and unsurprisingly it's you know it's because it's it's got the same um it's got the same powertrain and uh manual you can't get a manual or a dct rear rear wheel rear wheel drive front engine the formula is, is 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 proven and they've just you know they've ever so slightly tweaked it and um, it's slightly heavier than the outgoing car but it's got a bit more power it seems like it's it's you know everything is just a little bit better in the in the dynamic sense great and i'm happy that it exists it's, it's a good thing but and again some people seem to seem to like it and it's it's, it's it hasn't got a giant grill like has become the trend with bmws but I can't get on board with the way this the way the way the BMW the new BMW BMW M2 looks. It's so fuzzy. It's just a mixed mass of of shapes and surfaces, and it's ill proportioned and boxy in places and foldy in places. And I don't know. It looks terrible. But hey, look, 
I'm not going to bemoan about that too much because I'm, I'm happy it exists. Um, other cars that were released. Oh, the uh, the Gordon Murray T33 Spider. Um, so this is a, the the roofless version of the the T33 that he he released uh, a few months ago using the same engine. That's going to be in the T50, which also the the final sign off drive video they put up um, uh, of the T50 during the week as well. Um, Gordon is has given full sign off now, so production cars will are being built, and soon the customers will get them. I have, if you haven't seen the video, go onto their YouTube or their Instagram. It's a fucking fantastic sounding car. Um, it's again what what it's one of the few new cars where we can go holy shit that's amazing it's it's compact it's a manual gearbox it's got luggage space you can fit three people in it and it sounds great undoubtedly it's going to be amazing to drive um but yeah no he's so the newest iteration from from this burgeoning company gordon murray automotive is the the spider version of the t33 the launch he did a lot of videos and and uh, write ups with a bunch of uh, media outlets. He did mention the, the the windscreen. If you look at it, it, it clearly looks too too high and too long. But he has said they actually are going to trim back the the windscreen, so it's actually going to look a little bit better than it did in all the stuff, all the all the uh, footage and coverage um, of its announcement there yesterday. Um, Personally, I wouldn't have it because I don't. I just don't see the point in getting a getting a a roofless version of a car if there is a roofed equivalent. Um, and I do think I think the the coupe version or whatever terminology they're using for it um, is a very pretty car. Um, I think I'd have that over the T fifty. Um, not that I'd be able to have any of them because they're going to be low volume, incredibly expensive, and they're probably already all sold. Um, one interesting thing he did, uh, a couple of interesting things he mentioned. Um, oh, I watched Harry's video. Um, one, uh, he was going. He mentioned when he first released the T thirty three that they were going to develop uh, a semi automatic paddle shift gearbox for the T thirty three to broaden the the audience. Although it's always going to be a very small audience, um, and he now announced or when he was talking to Harry, um, that they've scrapped that idea because of the, I think it's 300 uh, T33s they're making. Um, they got three uh, applications for this, the automatic gearbox. Um, so that essentially uh, made it null and void because the cost of making just three of them, um, as he put it himself, would have made it the most expensive option uh, probably of all time on a car. Um, but one, one other thing he did mention as well is that there might be a, a third car, well, technically a fourth car because there's the T50 and then there's the, the Nicky Lauda, but that's kind of the track version of the T50. Then there's the T33 and a Spider variant, but there's going to be another car possibly um, with that Cosworth V12 that's been developed and using all these these three cars. Um, so yeah, more V12 cars from Gordon Murray, please, because um, they're all great and, um, you know, V12 combustion engine cars are certainly not long for the world, even though we have three coming from Gordon Murray and um, Aston Martin just announced, uh, Aston Martin, um, Lamborghini just announced that Revolto, uh, or however you pronounce it, last week. And um, who else? Someone else? Oh, yeah. You know, Ferrari just brought Pearl Sangue. Um, but these are definitely the last of a dying breed. Um, speaking of dying breeds, uh 
Volkswagen announced um, that all the current models um, and the, well, the, the twenty long short of it, the twenty twenty six VW T Rock is going to be the last Volkswagen with an internal internal combustion engine. Um, so after 2026, no more combustion engine Volkswagens. Um, the Mark 9 Golf, if it will be called a Golf, which it probably will, I don't think the, there's too much too much value in that name for Volkswagen to get rid of it. But the Mark 9, if there is a Mark 9, won't be a combustion engine. So the current Mark 8 Golf is the last combustion engine to Golf. Um, unsurprising, yes. Uh, sad, yes. Um, yeah, uh, sad times. Um, I was going to say something about the combustion engine or the, the the stuff that I mentioned last week about the the EU law and how, how they're not how they are they're allowing e fuels cars. Anyway, I talked about that last week. We won't, we won't get into the whole fuel thing. I'm sure you're all well versed on it at this point. Um, what else was I say? Oh yeah, other news. Um, so. You're all aware, I'm sure, of the Hyundai Ioniq 5 because they're everywhere. Great-looking car, I think. If if I was to get an EV, I'd certainly shortlist it, although that's not going to happen. Um, but there will be an N version, and obviously being the performance division of Hyundai. Um, so the, the Hyundai Ioniq 5N is going to have a thing called the N-Drift Analyzer, uh, which is essentially what they're going to call the drift mode um, for the Ioniq 5N. Um, which will allow people to drift their two and a half ton electric car, um, which they say you shouldn't do on the public road. But why offer customers this thing? You just know fucking dopes are going to get in, use this, crash into a lamppost or worse, a person on the public road because Instagram and TikTok, etc. It's going to happen. You know, look at just look at the fucking people falling over in fucking Citroen Amis around Monaco. You 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 give people things, and they're going to abuse it on the public roads. It's just going to happen. I just, I can't understand how these things are allowed to happen. Um, because even if you don't give it to people, people will bend the rules anyway. Like stuff that I noticed over the last week as well. I'm going to get back on my high horse here again. I noticed loads of not loads, but I noticed a few cars in the last couple of weeks, and I just saw a couple in the last couple of days with tinted windscreens. When did that become a thing? And how is that legal? I assume it isn't. And red seems to be the tint that they go for on the windscreens. One, it looks terrible. Two, it can't be safe, especially at night time. And like, how? Why? Look, I've no, I've no problem with people modifying and doing unique things to their car. I certainly wasn't, you know, unknown to doing a little bits and pieces here and there in my youth. But like, never stuff that like either looked well i know this is this is subjective but so like tinted windscreens terrible clearly not safe looks shit but then even stuff that's not unsafe but just looks dumb and why people bothered moving your your reg plate to the side or down or just moving it from where it's supposed to be like i know cars in the past like the evo 6 and the alpha 156 etc they had their license plates cocked to one side both for design purposes um in in the world of the evo 6 they did it because they needed more um more space for the for the intercooler 
And when it comes to the, the Alfa Romeo, them being Italian, it was purely for design purposes because the, the, the shield grill um, protruded down so far, you had to stick it to the side. But then people just doing it on their fucking Audi A3s, it just looks shit. And then, like, I don't know, people putting them lower down, you're fucking on your Passat, just surely it's fucking up the cooling. I don't know. Sorry, I'm, I'm again, anyone listens to this terrible podcast, I do apologize. It is, it's beyond terrible, but I'm going to keep doing it. Um, other motoring news, um, I see a, in. In Scotland, they're about to start um, an autonomous bus route, um, or a couple of routes anyway. They're going to serve around ten thousand people. I think did they say a month? Anyway, it's going to be it's going to be in Edinburgh and Fife. They're going to be running a, an an autonomous bus um, fleet, which one is terrifying? R- r- rise of the machines. Um, but the thing is, I've read up on it. So these autonomous buses. Um, they're going to be driving themselves around these routes around Scotland. But there's going to be two members of staff on board. There's going to be a safety driver who's going to sit in the cab who'll be able to take over should shit hit the fan. And there'll also be uh, another person who they're dubbing the captain who will be on the bus to make sure people um, are paying their fare getting onto the bus, to the bus that doesn't have a driver but does have a driver because there's going to be a driver. So Why? Why have autonomous buses at all then if you're going to have two members of staff on it? Anyway, I don't know. Seems absolutely ludicrously stupid to me. And like speaking of autonomy, and another thing I, I read during the week, um, Ford have decided to stop investing in autonomous technology. Um, and apparently there's a few other manufacturers are backing away from it too because apparently it's uh, they've realized that it's really not cost-effective, um, which is how they're putting it. Or I think the more they realize that they can't they can't get to a point where it's actually going to be safe um which i'm all for i like i know humans are very fallible um, and they always will be but i don't know putting the hands of safety and ethics into technology it's never going to work the machines are going to the machines are going to get us anyway but yeah no bring me back to the days of no electron of just no robots. I want no more. I'm just, I'm, I'm a cynic when it comes to robots. I've watched Terminator too many times. Um, they will kill us all. Uh, and the, oh yeah, another thing. Um, I noticed uh, Nissan put a teaser up on Twitter um, of an R32. Um, it was just kind of a quick shot of it. The lights coming on in the rear and the engine starting. But then at the end, or like the hashtag and all was just it says or 32 ev so you have to assume that means they're going to put in make an ev out of a, out of an or 32 skyline and um, don't ask me why they put a picture or put up a video of one with an engine starting and clearly has a big fat boy boy exhaust on it um so it's a strange ambiguous um teaser on on social media um but why 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 turn an or 32 into an ev like why it's like those cars are iconic as it is with the straight six the or was it the rb32 is that what it's called um or the rb26 i can't remember um why why making i know they're like they're not super rare and there's plenty of them out there but like i just don't see i don't why i just don't understand why um like like uh, um lancia again are, are being reborn and 
the, the first vehicle that they've teased in Rio is, is, a, is it's not going to they're not using an old Stratos, but the first vehicle they're going to bring out is a is an EV Stratos. It's not, it's, why why do you have to bring old stuff from the past? I know, I know. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, value in names. Like the Stratos name is obviously mean, is, has a lot of value to Lancia, and the Skyline name has a lot of value to to Nissan. But like Nissan could just make a new electronic Skyline. They didn't have to make an R32 into an EV. Uh, I know, I know, I know. It's all just for headlines, but like I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously, you can see I'm not in a very good mood today. I'm very rambly. I do apologize. I'm just going to stop talking about electronic vehicles. Um, other than I, there's a new another uh, Chinese EV manufacturer coming into the game. Um, they're called HiPhi. Um, H I P H I. I don't know what it stands for. Um, a, a, a affordable, as I put it, uh, EV that's been brought to the market interesting looking thing um feel free to look it up yourself um but to me it looks like um that funky new um peugeot 408 but if the 408 was made out of lego technics strange looking thing um last bit of motoring news um i noticed about today uh rm sotheby's have michael schumacher's uh ferrari f2000 which is the 2000 chassis includes in the name uh formula one car up for auction um, which will be interesting to see what it sells for because that that's probably the one for me that if I had the means I'd, I'd have to have because um, it was the first one it was the first championship winning car well they won the construct, constructor championship the previous year um, but Schumacher broke his legs and I'm sure you, if you're not aware of the 99 season I'll fill you in some other time but um, yeah it was the it was the car that finally broke the duct for Ferrari um, and Schumacher and then started their um, their run of dominance but that car to me is just it has so much I have so much emotion tied up in it um, for many reasons um, but yeah so if I had the money my god would I love to have that because it's, it's a full it's not just a show car it's the, it's the actual chassis he raced in engine gearbox the whole shebang it's a running car um yeah the, i think they're t- they're looking they reckon about 10 million dollars uh, probably um if not more I'm, i should probably check it and um, i'll check it later on i'm not going to bore you with me looking up shit on the internet now again um but yeah feel free to look that up um or i'm still the beast google or i'm still the beast schumacher f2000 it'll come up um motorsport news now i the MotoGP was on at the weekend which i only found out an hour before the race started myself because i got a thing on social media about how um alex marquez uh, was on pole um yeah i didn't realize because the the opening round in um portugal had only been the week previous um so yeah it was in argentina so I've, luckily i just caught in time to actually watch the race um exciting enough race uh it was interesting to say the least um it was a rain a rain soaked race in argentina and um, because i assume yeah they would, would be in would this be their autumn down that neck of the woods um one thing is like so as i mentioned previously mark marquez wasn't in attendance because he's recovering from an injury um and then the uh, mir is he johan mir the other anime honda honda factory driver he also pulled out which i can't remember exactly why possibly because of an injury as well so there was no factory hondas there anyway um and then 
Miguel Oliveira, who was in, involved in the incident, when I say involved, who was taken out by Mark Marquez in the opening round. He wasn't there. Um, so anyway, uh, Alex Marquez was on pole. Um, he slipped back to third at the start. Um, and I can't remember. Anyway, all in. Like, I'm, not, I'm the worst person in the world report, reporting on this stuff. Um the guy whose name who I hadn't heard of and couldn't pronounce correctly last time, uh, Marco, it's actually Ma- uh, Marco Bezecchi, is how you, you pronounce it. Um, he won the race um, quite convincingly. He took the lead at the start and uh, and he held the lead and he, he stretched out a pretty decent lead um, in the rain-soaked conditions. Um, so he won and that means it's, it's it was his first win in MotoGP. Um, it's also the first win for Mooney VR6 Racing, Valentino Rossi's uh, team. So they've got their first win. Um, probably the biggest shock of the race was um, reigning world champion and winner of the first round, um, Francesco Bagnaia. Um, he, I can't remember exactly where he started. Was he on the front row? I can't anyway, he was running fourth um, and he was catching um, Alex Marquez um, for third. Now, even if he finished fourth, he still would have been leading the championship um, the way the points work out because there was a sprint race as well, again, which I didn't realise. I don't know if, I don't know if MotoGP are doing sprint races at all the rounds. But um, anyway, um, yeah, he was catching Alex Marquez for third to get onto the podium because at this early part of the season, you need to get the points in as many as possible because God knows how things will play out. But uh, with eight laps to go, he binned it. Um, dropped dropped the bike, um, so he you know he, he managed to get it going again. And he did he did bring it home, but he he brought it home in last, and um, because he ripped one of the foot pegs off when when he dropped the bike, um. So what that means is Marco uh, Bezecchi is now actually leading the championship, um. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 shaping up to be unsurprisingly a very interesting um, MoGP season because MoGP is when it comes to racing some of the best out there um so yeah the the podium places was it was marco bezecchi johan zarko who was on the one of the privateer or no he'd be, would be a factory Ducati? i can't quite remember and then alex marquez and um, he was also on the, a privateer Ducati. so it was a Ducati, uh, full Ducati podium actually um helped by the fact that um there was no hondas um, in the race at all um, and the, the Prius who apparently were doing well in the sprint race there was no Prius at all um, in, in any of the mentionable positions if, if my memory serves me correct um, like you, as you can tell my knowledge of MotoGP is not as strong as, as my knowledge of Formula 1 um, but yeah it, it, it's, it's great stuff if you don't watch um, MotoGP I, I highly recommend um, it's shaping up to be a good year of good racing um, the next MotoGP race is uh, not this weekend, but the weekend after. I think it's in Spain, if my memory serves me correct. And um, where's the calendar? Oh my god! No. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. All right, look it up yourself. Um, it's in a couple of weeks' time. Formula One isn't in a couple of weeks' time, unfortunately. And um, we just had the Melbourne Grand Prix, which I'll discuss now. Um, but there's another race until Baku on, at, at the end of the month. Because we're supposed to have the Chinese Grand Prix in the middle of April, um, but that's being cancelled again because China is still still fully um, COVID-restricted. Um, so there will be no Chinese Grand Prix. Um, but yeah, we had the Australian Grand Prix, 
weekend just gone as well. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to wake up for it because, you know, I thought it would probably be a foregone conclusion. Um, plus, I was out on the beer the night before. Um, but I woke up at half five to take a piss. And I was like, right, well, I'm up. I may as well stay up and watch it. And I'm glad I did because I'd set my alarm to watch the uh, the replay that was scheduled for um, half nine in the morning on Sky. Um, but because the race, as I'll get into now, ran on so long, they were still doing their post-race uh, debrief analysis, whatever you want to call it, on Sky, um, which is fucking annoying because if, like, if, I, if I turned on the TV at fucking half nine and they were talking about the results of the race, having done my best to avoid looking up anything, I've been pissed off. It's happened to a few of my mates before who didn't watch uh, live races. They turn on fucking Sky and they've just been, had the results spoiled from them expecting just to watch a replay of the race. Um but yeah, look, it was it was a it was a it was a exciting, uh, certainly well, not exciting, but it was it was yeah, well, no, it was exciting. It was an, it was an interesting race, um, if not necessarily all for the right reasons. But um, so Max was on pole again, unsurprisingly, and then we had the two Mercedes, um, then Alonso, I think it was Alonso, and then Stroll, and then Ferrari were having a shit time and blah blah. Anyway. As the race started, um, Max had a bit of a shit start and he got pounced by George Russell and by Lewis. Um, fucking Leclerc went out on the, on the fucking opening lap. Um, he got tagged by... Tagged by Stroll. Now, it was a complete racing incident. He kind of... Stroll tagged him, but Stroll had nowhere to go and Leclerc definitely probably have taken more avoiding action. Um so Leclerc uh, has now retired out of two of the first three races um, and is currently on six points in the championship. I think he's seventh or eighth in the standings. Um, so anyway, yeah, George Russell took the lead um, and was maintaining a pretty decent lead ahead of his teammate and Max was back there in third. Um, and then there was Alonso. And then if, I can't remember exactly what lap it was early enough on anyway, into the race, only like lap six or seven. Um, Alex Albon, who was having a, another, was having a bit of a storm on himself. I think he was up in, in sixth or seventh because um, he qualified in the top ten. I can't remember exactly what place. I think he was possibly eighth or ninth, which is a great effort by Alex um, in the Williams. But um, he, I can't remember, I'm not sure. That, I don't know if, the, if Melbourne has names for the corners. Um, I can't remember what number, but it's the fast... Fast right, left kind of S bend. Um, it's like five or six corners in to the Melbourne track. Um, anyway, going into that section, he lost the rear end um, of the Williams and tried to catch it, snap, and hit the barrier, um, ripped the front and the rear off the car and scattered fucking gravel all over the track. So initially, the safety car was brought out. Um, so some people jumped in to try and get themselves their free pit stop under the safety car. Um, one of them being... Uh, George Russell from the lead um, which meant he, meant he came back out in 7th but it looked like he was going to get a free stop but then the race was red flagged um, which means anyone who didn't make a stop was able to pull into the pits and you're out, the teams were out to work on the car um, while the cars are in the pit lane under the red flag conditions so that played into uh, Lewis, Max, Alonso anyone who didn't pit played into their hands Um so yeah, the the race we you know, was was eventually resumed once they had the, the track cleared up. Which whether a red flag was needed in that scenario is questionable. But anyway, um, 
eventually Max got by um, Lewis because I think with 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 the Red Bull having DRS um, and then Lewis not having DRS, he was in the lead. But with DRS open on the Red Bull and not open on the Mercedes, the Red Bull was thirty six kilometers faster down the straight, um, which is incredibly significant. Um, not even taking into the fact that the car is just quicker anyway. Um, so he breezed by, he breezed past um, Lewis. Um, and so then it was, so it was Lewis, Max, sorry, Max, Lewis, and Alonso was in third. Then the mid part of the race, it kind of went into, you know, tire management, dull phase of the middle of the race. Um, Alonso was trying to catch um, uh, Lewis, but it just it just wasn't didn't seem like it was going to happen. Um, so the race went on, blah blah blah. Not a whole lot happened. Then six or seven laps before the end of the race, Kevin Magnussen had a very strange run. He just went a little bit wide into uh, coming out of the. I suppose it was technically it's turn two again. The kind of the S S of the first corner um, going into the second corner. At the start of the lap in Melbourne, he just went a little bit wide and he clipped the the wall um, with the, with his rear right tire, and it ripped the tire off and broke the suspension, um, sent the tire flying out into the into the track um, and bits of debris. Pe- people in the crowd actually got hit by debris, um, um, which I'll get onto again in a moment. Um, but again, so he pulled his car over in a you know in an okay p- spot again. A safety car was vice, but they red flagged again. Um, so again, everyone into the pits, um, and there's going to be maybe I think what five laps, four laps possibly because they're going to go around in the safety car. I think there might have been them, yeah, four laps, three or four laps in you know, of racing, um, to finish out the race. Um, so then, the, yeah, so the time passed to clear up the track. They went out, point safety car, and the safety car was. The other drivers were playing like the safety car wasn't going quick enough, so they all lost tire temperature going around to the grid for this next restart, and then the restart happens and it was fucking chaos again. Um, uh, Carlos Sainz tagged um, Alonso, which took Alonso out, um, who in turn I think took out Stroll. Um, the two Alpines crashed into each other and fully rid off, rode off their cars. They were out. Um, so I think it was a sergeant in the Williams took out Nick DeFries. Um, he ended up in the gravel. They were all out. Um, so at this point, again, it was red flagged again. And usually at that point in a race, once it's red flagged, that would be it. We'll just, we'll just we'll do a count back um, to the previous um, lap. But then there wasn't a previous lap because it was a standing start and they hadn't gone through a, a, a full sector to get a read of um, where everyone was. So they brought everyone into the pits, decided they were going to restart the race. Um, so, But they were going to restart the race from... put everyone back into the order they were at the previous restart, minus the people who crashed out. So... Alonso and Stroll got saved because they, although they'd been tagged, they'd kept the cars going. Um, so they were able to restart the race. The Alpines obviously couldn't. But then stuff, people like, like Hulkenberg, I think, had managed to get himself up to fourth in all that melee. But because they'd rejigged the order again, he'd been, he was thrown back down, I think, to seventh or whatever. 
Um, but anyway, because like because of because they'd done a they had they done a lap before it was red flagged, then they were going to do another lap under the safety car to bring it back around to the grid. There was going to be one. There was going to be no. There wasn't. There wasn't even going to be a lap. They were going to be released by the safety car just across the line, and you can't overtake until you go over the finish line. So. Yeah, it was strange. And then, yeah, Carlos Sainz got, ended up getting a five-second penalty um, for causing the collision with um, Alonso, which was a bit harsh because they were kind of saying they, they weren't going to give those kind of penalties for opening lap um, kind of tags because it's, you know, these things can happen. And especially, like, it really wasn't, wasn't really his fault. It was kind of the the, the issue with the Pirelli tyres not being able to get up, the broke off losing temperature under the safety car and... It was all a bit of a mess, anyway. Um, but in the end of the day, the uh, yeah, well, Lewis Hamilton got himself on the podium. Which, wherever you feel about Lewis, it was it was a pretty good result for for him and and the Mercedes team. So it was Max, Lewis, Alonso. Um, I think Stroll was fourth. Um, who was fifth? Sainz should have been fifth, but then obviously dropped back. Um, I, I'm going to bring up the top ten here. Um, yeah, it was all a bit it was all a bit messy and confusing. Um but look, it was it was still an entertaining it was an entertaining watch. It was dramatic and exciting. Um it was certainly more exciting than the um than the first two rounds. Um so yeah, um controversial oh yeah, so like the the things that so there was a track invasion um at the end of the race while cars were still going around. Um and also then people got hit by debris um after the after the uh, the Magnuson incident, which um, is not going to look good on the organisers of the Australian Grand Prix, um, yeah. So we 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 shall see if anything any more comes of that um, in this litigious and uh, restricted restrictive world. Because back in the day, it would have been just like, oh look, you know, back in the day, there used to be track invasions all the time. Look up. Um, Look up the 1992 British Grand Prix um, and people jumping on after Mansell won in Silverstone, and um, yeah, Jesus, like people people got hit by debris all the time back in the day. Um, Nothing was a good thing, but look, these anyway. Enough of that because I don't know what's going to come of it. But anyway, back to the results. So Verstappen, Hamilton, Alonso, Stroll, oh, Perez was fifth, which fairness not bad because Perez started from uh, the pit lane. Um, I think he got fastest lap as well. Uh, Perez Norris, um, he'll be pretty happy with that. Uh, sixth um, after what's been a pretty tumultuous start to the year for for McLaren, so he picks up eight points. Nico got seventh in the end. He actually broke down on the co- on the on the slowing down lap. Uh, Oscar Piastri um, scored his first points in his home Grand Prix. It's very much his home Grand Prix. He lives here. He was born and raised very close to Melbourne, the Melbourne, the Melbourne track. He, like he's from Melbourne. Uh, Zhou Yu scored two points for uh, Alfa Romeo and Yuki Tsunoda um, finally scored a point uh, fair play to him he, he's, he's been crying out for those points he finished 11th in the, in the first two races and um, was very close to scoring a point there in uh, in Jeddah but um, just actually, he was one of those people who lost out with that with that third red flag would that be because um, in the second restart he had an absolute stormer of a restart he Breeze past her camera. Anyway, he 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 breezed past two or three cars at the start. I think he was up to fifth, um, before they brought out the red flag again. But anyway, he still he still scored a point. So fair play to him. Um, 
Craig Carlos Sainz ended up being 12th with the penalty. Um, Bottas was just ahead of him in 11th. Gasly still got classified in 13th um, and knock on 14th, even though they, well, they were both running, I think, 5th and 6th or possibly 4th and 5th. Um, Gasly tagged Ocon, but again, racing incident. Um, just very unfortunate for them. Um, Sargent still got um, classified in 16th. Magnussen classified in 17th, um, even though he crashed out in left 52, causing that, um, that stoppage. And then Oh yeah, sorry, George Russell, after being fucked over by the the first drag flag, um, his, his fucking engine went kaput um, in the middle of the race anyway, so shit day for him. Um, Albon then obviously crashed out on lap six, and the clerk on the opening lap. Um, yeah, so there you go, Formula One, next next race isn't until the, the final weekend in April, um, which is in Baku, the crazy street track that is Baku, Um tends to bring pretty entertaining races um, so we shall see how it goes there Max doesn't have the greatest track record there or in fact he did win last year um, how long have I been Jesus, I've been, have I been rambling for Jesus, I've been rambling for 45 minutes this is very terrible and very very long um, so apologies if anyone is, is listening if you are I love you um, so I'll wrap this up now with my, my usual shite um, my classified find of the week um, not exactly a, necessarily a cheap car um, but just it caught my eye it's a 1953 Austin Champ, um, which is essentially um, if, well, obviously they did, but it's a, it's a Willys Jeep essentially made by Austin. Um, it says it's it's fully auton- or, sorry, fully um, waterproof, um, so apparently it, it'll wade up to, well, basically up, up as far as your mouth will go. Um, so it's, it's, it's a post-war car, 1953, and um, it's has a rolls-royce engine apparently um a the rolls-royce 2.8 liter um rolls-royce engine four cylinder 80 horsepower um yeah it, look it up um because I, I, like it, it's full military spec green you know shovels on the side canvas roof like it looks like a willy jeep but a little bit more portly and kind of rugged robust um, it's completely green everything's green the steering wheel is green the seats are green the dash is green the outside is green the engine is green everything's green um, yeah it's it's an interesting thing uh, look it up the Austin Champ 1953 again there's only one on done deal you'll find it um, one thing they, they do mention in the ad uh, is the predecessor to the Austin Champ was the Wolseley Mudlark which is a great name and then the successor was the Austin Gypsy. Um, not as great a name. Um, it's expensive. It is. It's it's twenty two, twenty two, twenty two thousand five hundred um, euro, which is is quite a lot for something which you're maybe going to drive twice a year. Um, I don't know what you'd use that for. I'm sure it's absolutely horrible to drive. Um, but yeah, have a look. It's um, it's a fun. It's a fun thing. Um, the the Austin Champ. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna recommend a a YouTube channel again this week. I'm gonna mention a a, a film. Well, it's a documentary. Um, I was obviously I mentioned that movie, The Awakenings, earlier, uh, many many hours ago in this podcast. Um, which this documentary I now realize took its name from a line from this movie because it's 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 on a similar theme about people suffering from dementia. Um, it's called Alive Inside, and it's i believe it's up on apple tv but if you don't have apple tv i'm sure you'll find it other ways um 
I watched I watched it a few years ago, and it's just that watch, watching Awakenings last night reminded me of it. Um, it it's quite emotional. I'm, I'm almost choking up just thinking about it here. But it's um, you know, again, people who are have, you know who don't recognize their own children or are, are completely unresponsive, but they hear music from their youth, um, or or just music that they loved before. Unfortunately, the the terrible uh, disease was uh, afflicted them. Um, and it just the, the, you know memories come flooding back to them. Their their speech returns. They they recognize people, and it's all just just through music. It's it's an incredibly powerful documentary. I understand right now. Obviously, if if anyone who who has loved ones who are suffering from dementia, it might might be a difficult watch, but also maybe it might give you a little bit of of, of hope. Um, um, but it's 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 just, it's just an incredibly moving and incredibly incredibly emotional um documentary. Um, I recommend giving it a watch if 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 you um yeah just i don't know like I, it's a hard thing obviously to recommend it's it's a tough subject but i i, I found it very moving I, I love music but i also i love i love people and the hope because it's obviously it's, it's a terrible affliction um and anything that can help even the people that's it, it's affecting but also the the loved ones around them who have to who are, who are suffering as well um sorry i'm 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 trying to be as sensitive as possible, talking about a very sensitive topic. Um, on a slightly lighter note, um, I've, rec- I've recommended M five three nine. I think he was the first uh, YouTube channel I recommended. Um, the great uh, Stratton who saves and restores old BMWs. Um, now I'm not one for cleaning cars. Um, I just don't have the patience, or nor do I care. Also, I kind of like a dirty car. It shows it's 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 being used as intended. Um, one of the projects he's had, one of his most popular projects, is um, an Alpina B7, um, which is essentially finished. He got a completely, complete full body respray on it, um, which looks great. Um, in this kind of, I can't remember the name, but it is it's it's some sort of black um, on the BMW scale, but it's a it's a rich deep blue, essentially metallic blue. Um, so anyway, he teamed up with uh, the lads from Gion, um, and they do a five day detail on this thing um, and it gets ppf and everything and if you're into car cleaning and car, car detailing it's it's absolutely outrageous um it, i've never seen a more pristine and like it's, it's better than any car that comes off a, a, a production line it's it's ridiculous so check it out m539 it's his most recent video um if you're into car cleaning or or just detailing check it out it's unbelievable and yeah i'll finally wrap this up now um with my with my uh song recommendation um it's a few months old this one again um i say a few months it's only two, two or three months old but um killer mike um who is a solid rapper in his own right and has been for many years but you'll be most famously known for being uh, one half of the great rtj run the jewels uh killer mike um he has a song called run um which it says it features Dave Chappelle. I know Dave Chappelle does do a bit of narration in the video, but I don't think it actually appears in the song itself. Um, which was a good Atlanta, Georgia, grimy rap song. Um, so check it out. Killer Mike Run. Uh, you'll get it in all your favorite uh, music outlets. Um, I'll shut the fuck up now because I've rambled a lot terribly. Um, but anyway, if you have been listening, again, as always, I love you. Be safe, be well. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.